my name is Drew Simpson. This is uh, Skip Bowersox. Hello. And we're the pastors here. If this is your first time with us, we want you to feel welcome and feel right. at home. Uh, if you want to, feel free to catch us after the service. But if you want to get in contact with us, the absolute best way to do that is a welcome card. You can find that after the service at the info table right over here. You fill it out, you give it in, and we'll get a hold of you. And that could be for just a comment, it could be a prayer request, a question anything. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic way. Um, and if you haven't been with us before, uh, we all know that it's a time of celebrating Jesus and the gospel, of learning from his word and connecting together. So we're going to jump into the word here in just a minute. Great. I'll pray for you and we can hop Thanks. in. Thanks. I like okay. that. So Jesus, I thank you for uh, Skip and I thank you for what he has for us uh, this morning. I ask that uh, our hearts uh, would be sensitive to hear what you have to say and that um, Skip would be able to clearly uh, communicate what he has uh, in mind, and that your spirit would move through your word uh, in our hearts to transform not just uh, the way we think, but the way that we live, that our whole selves would be transformed uh, by your word and by your power. Thank you so much for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks. Skip. Thanks. So, Bill, you've, uh, you've probably... Wherever you are, you've probably uh, told that story before of how you uh, were called into drumming for the Lord in the villages. You've probably told that before, but I don't know that I've, it's, it's ever like hit me. But that was a beautiful story. I would encourage you to keep telling that. It's so cool to hear about how things that matter to us, that are precious to us, began, right? Uh, if you have small children at home, uh, Tell them the story of how their family began, right? Um, uh, grandmas and grandpas, tell them those stories. Those are precious stories, beginnings. Hey, uh, this is uh, October, and in October, uh, Pastor Aaron and I kind of mix it up a little bit. Our, our routine, our, our normal MO is to move in a fairly systematic way through the Scripture. It usually takes us about three years to make one lap through the entire Bible. And, uh, uh, but in October, because we have our... Our Covenant Sunday celebration early on, and then in, in the end of the month, we usually have our, our missions conference. Those weeks in between, we've taken that as an opportunity to do something a little different. Those are weeks where Aaron and I get to step away from the rhythm of just moving through the Scripture and share with you some things that have been on our hearts and on our minds. It's an opportunity for you to see uh, what these two pastors think about. It's a very scary thing. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm impressed. You're so courageous coming to listen to what we think about. Um, and this is what I want to talk about today is something that I've actually been thinking about and enjoying thinking about actually for years. There's different themes and, and different thoughts that, that a person latches onto uh, that really resonate with them. And for me, this is definitely one of those. Today, I want to talk about uh, navigating and fully utilizing the seasons of life. And uh, I've actually recently, again, been investing in my own thoughts about navigating the seasons of life. And I've come across a number of uh, resources that I've uh, really enjoyed. I just want to, if you're interested, if you, if you would like to nerd out with me a little bit and, uh, and read some material about the seasons of life, I want to recommend four books. Three of them are, are secular books, but books that I have confidence in. Uh, one of them is called uh, When by Daniel Pink. Another one is called Moments 
by Chip and Dan Heath. Those, those three guys do a great job of uh, putting a lot of research in their material in a way that is easy to absorb um, uh, and, and fun to read. Uh, the, the, I just want to mention here, too, that the, the book uh, Moments is really about creating special, memorable, even life-shaping moments. We've all had those moments, right? Um, but you do realize that with a little intentionality, you can actually create those kind of moments. Uh, not in a manipulative way, but put all the conditions there for, uh, for the people that you influence, the people that you serve to have a, a special uh, uh, introspective moment, and, and especially uh, as parents, we desire those for our kids. I'm teaching a class uh, October 23rd, a Tuesday training on traditions in the home, where we will talk about how to, in the home, create those moments, how to create those traditions that will influence uh, your children even long after they have moved out. When they see uh, the snow begin to fall, it will trigger a memory. When they hear a song or smell a smell, it will trigger, trigger a memory uh, that will remind them in that place uh, of the gospel message or, or whatever it is that you've been influencing them toward. A couple other books. One is called Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. Really interesting book. Uh, and then Ordering Your Private World by uh, George MacDonald. That's one that Aaron, Pastor Aaron and I have read and enjoyed. So there's some resources for you if you want to think about the seasons of life with me. And maybe we can hang out and chew the fat, you know, have coffee and talk about that kind of stuff. And just in, you and I will be the only two people in the world really enjoying that conversation probably, but who knows. Uh, um, I, had, uh, I had big ambitions for, uh, for this uh, this time, I wanted to share with you so much of the things that I've been learning about navigating skillfully the changing seasons of life, uh, but they don't, to, to give it all away this morning doesn't really fit in the constructs. So I really wanted to blow your mind away, right? But instead, I'll have to settle for blowing your mind in increments. And so that's what we'll do. I just want to uh, blow your mind a little bit today, if I can. And, and I want to talk about, uh, today I want to share with you the natural God-ordained rhythms of time. Uh, just spend a little bit of time exploring that. And then also, I think this is, uh, this is close to my heart today for myself, but also for you. I want to share with you two very personal, evaluative opportunities that stopped Jesus in his tracks and shaped his next moves. So we'll be watching for those two. I've told you before, probably many times, you're probably tired of hearing about it, but one of our traditions in our home is that I'm the one, generally, who tucks my girls into bed every night, and often that involves a story. And so if I, my brain is shot, I'm reading them a story because you can read without using your brain. You realize that, right? But when I'm feeling a little bit more creative, when I have a little bit more energy left to give, uh, I will often uh, tell them my own version of a Bible or missionary story. And so it gets interesting, right? Uh, and one of the stories that is uh, on the greatest hits is uh, my kids will often ask one of two things. They want to know how Satan came to be Satan, which has always concerned me. Why, after all these years, are we still telling that story, right? 
the other thing that they want to know is, and, and I'm just so impressed with my, my little girls. They're going to be brilliant for the questions they ask. Seidel says, puts her hand up in the air as she lays there in bed, if you can see this. Where was God before the beginning, right? If everything started at the beginning, then, and God is eternal, then where was he and what was going on there before the beginning? if he had no beginning, right? And so I try to explain to my girls, and apparently I'm not doing a good job because we're still answering that question uh, on a pretty regular basis. The best thing I can explain to you is that God is a being who is outside of time, right? And so in the, when you crack open your Bible in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning. You realize, of course, that's a time phrase. What he's really saying is time started at a particular point time uh, in eternity, and that is the beginning of time. But God is larger than time. He is outside of time. When we think of eternity, we think of it being a long time, right? But you see, it's not really a long time. Eternity isn't time at all. God is eternal, and we are in time. Time is a part of the human experience. It's, it is a part of what it means to be on a globe that spins at a regular rotation around a sun in a regular rotation, right? It creates time. Now, time is unique to, uh, to creation, not to God himself. Time is, time is like a conveyor belt, always moving, right? And always bringing with it something that is ours to manage, right? Even, even the, the couch potato, even the one who has isolated themselves completely from the world, cut themselves off from the world, and has, uh, has tried to uh, just remove themselves from any reminder of time, even that person is affected by time. It still keeps on moving, and it brings with it uh, at very least, uh, decaying bodies, right? Uh, it has its effect, whether you want it to or not. You, you've often heard of uh, tricks for managing your time, and I would say time cannot be managed. Time cannot be manipulated. What can be managed is your resources, which are affected by time. What can be managed is your energy, which certainly is uh, affected by time. You can manage your focus, right? This is why we call it paying attention, because you have said, I'm going to take my, my attention and give it uh, to this direction. We can manage these things, but we can't necessarily manage time. Uh, there is in our life a rhythm of investing and then managing uh, what has come out of that investment. Have you seen that to be true in your own life? When you were young, you invested in these things, and when you were a little bit older, you were left to manage the, the outcomes of that investment. And so you invest a little bit more in these things, and they produce fruit that you are left to manage, right? Life is abundant. 
always bringing more than we can handle. Do you remember the classic scene from I Love Lucy, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the scene where she and Ethel, Ethel, is that her name? Ethel? are working the conveyor belt, right? And they are, I forget exactly what they're doing, doing something with these little chocolates. And pretty soon the conveyor belt picks up speed and there is more coming at them than they know what to do with. So they start shoving it in their mouth, stuffing it in their hats, in their shirt, right? And it just gets crazy after a while. But the truth is, that's time. Time is always moving and it's as it moves, it is always bringing something with it, right? And uh, we must actively make decisions about what we will do with what time brings us. In the scriptures, it's fairly clear to me that there are uh, a number of routines. Um, there is a daily routine. Uh, and the daily routine in scripture communicates a message of the gospel, which I love. I love the fact that God in nature itself has built-in reminders of the gospel message. In the scripture, it teaches us that day one began in the evening, out of darkness. For us, we often think of the day beginning in the morning with the sunrise, but not in the Hebrew mindset. In the Hebrew mindset, the, the day begins in the evening as you sit down to your table and enjoy a meal and begin to move towards going to bed. In other words, we begin our days unconscious, <laughs> totally at rest, asleep. And from that place of rest, we step into the light and begin to do our work. A gospel message of resting at the beginning and moving toward, towards our work from that. Uh, I love this verse in Lamentations. It's one of our family's favorite songs that we sing to the girls. Lamentations 3.22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. How many of you know that this morning you have been forgiven anew, right? That there is a fresh, fresh outcropping of mercy available to you today for the same sin you can be forgiven again, and mercies are renewed every day. Uh, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Uh, in the, in the, the way the Jews would worship at the, at the temple, tabernacle, and then later at the temple, there was this rhythm of in the morning there was a sacrifice for forgiveness. And then in the afternoon, late in the afternoon, the morning and the evening sacrifice, once again, the Lord says, I want a rhythm of the gospel message in their days. And even the week itself, a period of six days moving through the gospel, culminating in a day of rest, a Sabbath rest. But there's not just a daily rhythm, but there's also a seasonal rhythm, uh, which is a, a productive routine. The scriptures uh, tell us there again in Genesis 1 that in the beginning there was darkness and then there was light. And we discover through reading scripture that that light was the presence of God. It wasn't the sun. And so the earth was given light from God's presence for, for uh, three and a half days. And on the fourth day, it was no longer the glory of God that was giving light, but the Lord created bodies in the heavens to reflect light. Light bearers. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. Why does he need to create these light bearers when he himself, his glory, 
generates light for the earth. Why is that important? Well, it answers the question. In Genesis 1, it describes on the fourth day, he says that these bodies were made to govern the seasons. They were made to tell us when January is over, when winter is at its longest point, and when summer is at its uh, longest point, right? Uh, These bodies in the heavens, they govern, they set limitations on the seasons. It is our earthbound reality that things come to an end. Nothing lasts forever as we now experience it. And so the earth experiences in the spring a warming, and then it moves as it's, it is, is happening right now into a, a, a cooling period. How many of you noticed the termination dust across the bay? Scott and I were talking about, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of exciting and kind of not really at all at the same time, right? Yeah. But then after a while, I just want you to know that even as it cools, eventually, the sun and the moon will be at the right place to where the earth will begin to warm up again in the spring. Uh, there is uh, a, a budding and then a blossom is put forth, and then a, a fruit grows from that blossom and gives energy and new life, and then it begins to wither. Turn, 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 right? And a season for everything. I noticed uh, the other day the fireweed, so beautiful, all, all, all summer long, in the spring and then in the summer and then in in the fall, have you noticed the fireweed? It begins, it turns a dark, burnt, orange, yellow, and as it is about to turn to dust in its, in its dying days, in its last moments of beauty, it is putting forth seed. Have you noticed that? Just liberally casting out seed, even as it withers. Is there a message for us in that? I think so. Right? Hopefully you have a heart to hear that. Uh, I love how the ants, again in in, uh, Proverbs, it says that the ants, these small little insignificant critters have a wisdom about them. The, the, The ants are insufficient in and of themselves, but they have a great wisdom. And the wisdom is this. They know the value of the season. They know that the winter is coming, and in the winter there's no opportunity to gather food. So in the summer... They gather because in the winter they cannot. They know the value of the season. There's a proverb here, Proverbs 20, verse 4. It says, the sluggard does not plow in season. He, he misses the value of that season. There's an opportunity to plow and he is a sluggard and doesn't take that. And then the opportunity comes to a close. So at harvest time, he looks, (laughs) but he finds nothing. Huh, I didn't plow at the right time, and now I'm looking, and sure enough, I've got nothing. Well, yeah, that's because there is a rhythm of seasons, and that is a a productive routine. I'll just ask you this morning, think about this. Do you know the value of your current life season? 
My guess is that you are tuned into, and if not, that you, even in the asking of this question, you become aware of the reality that every one of us is in a particular, unique season of life. My question is, do you know the value of that season, the unique, particular value? What can you do right now that you may never again have the opportunity to do? And I would say that as, even as these bodies, these light bearers in the heavens limit the seasons, even as that is so often our most unique, our most life-defining opportunities are found in our limitations. Often I think we resent the season of life that we're in for its limitations. We say, man, the older I get, the more my back hurts, uh, which is happening for me right now. It's, it, it, and it is, it's been difficult for me to adjust to having, my knees have never hurt before. They do now, and so does my back. It's just stuff like that, right? Uh, and so we feel like the pressure. I was telling my wife, I said, how's come when you have the energy and the ability to make money, it's usually the same time of life when you have little needy children who are insatiable in their demand for your time and attention. Why does that happen simultaneously? It feels very limiting, right? Uh, yeah, and we often resent the limitations of our seasons of our life, but I would say that it's in those limitations that often the, the greatest opportunities are tucked away. Have you given any consideration to your current season of life? It's limitations. It's fleeting opportunities. So I've been your pastor now for uh, five or six years, I forget. Aaron Weiser, you probably remember. It, it's probably felt like twice that for you, I don't know. But <laughs> and for the entire time that I have been a pastor here, my good friend Gary Sinhuber has encouraged me to go fishing when the fish are in. The thing about that is, I grew up in the Midwest, and in the Midwest there is a very set routine that really isn't linked to nature. Many of uh, the, the, uh, the, the things that keep the Midwest going is industry. And so uh, people's rhythms, their lives, are not affected by nature. Their rhythms are, they get up, and from 9 to 5, they're in a building, regardless of the weather, regardless of what's going on out there. That's how I was grown up. And so when Gary says, let's go fishing on a Tuesday afternoon, there's just something not right about that to me, Right? And he's one of my bosses. I'm accountable to him as an elder. And I just have had a hard time this entire time that I've lived in Alaska wrapping my brain around that. Fishing belongs in the weekends on your schedule. But it doesn't work like that here, right? Yeah. And so what happens is I miss opportunities because of my rigidness in how I approach the seasons of life. Uh, it's difficult for me to break out of autopilot. Uh, my wife is, will put something on the calendar, and as it grows closer, she'll say, hey, we had such, we were going to go to Anchorage this, you know, in, in two weekends. Do you still want to do that? I say, yes, because it's on the calendar, right? We wrote it down at some point in time. doesn't matter if, if, the, if it's completely unreasonable to do it. We must do it. It was the plan, 
right? It's very difficult for me to break out of that, that routine. And I would say, to my credit, a lifestyle of rhythm and routine is wise and productive, generally, but not at the expense of missing the unique opportunities a particular season provides. I want to share with you two stories. Uh, two stories from the life of Jesus where I see Jesus working his plan, moving through his decided rhythm of life, but then something happens. He becomes aware of a piece of information that begins to change and shape his next step. The first story is Jesus at the wedding. Um, Jesus is at this wedding in Cana in Galilee, and his mother, Mary, has, becomes aware of an issue. The, the wedding the planner had not planned enough wine, and they are out of wine for the wedding, for the whole celebration. And Mary comes to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, uh, they're out of wine. You can do something about that, right? You are, after all, the Son of God, a miracle worker. You know, um, I wish that at, my, at this stage in my life, after following the Lord all these years, I wish that Jesus and I had more in common. Uh, you know? Um, I'm working on it. Well, one thing that we definitely do have in common is uh, it's, a, it's a bit of an, an annoying Thing that he and I connect on. Jesus and I both have mothers who think their sons can walk on water. You know what I mean? They're just they, uh, mothers who think their sons are, are really way up there. And so I can just feel Jesus at this party, not really wanting to do anything about this. And his mother comes and puts the pressure on him to perform, right? And so Jesus says to her, and I, uh, look at this, this verse, it may come as a surprise to you. Jesus says uh, in John 2, 4, he says, and Jesus said to her, woman, first of all, <laughs> if I had ever called my mother woman, uh, I would not have gotten away with it quite like Jesus did. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I'm working a rhythm here, woman. <laughs> I, I, I got a plan, and this is not the hour where I step in and rescue this wedding party and do this miracle. And so she leaves, and she says to the servants, if he tells you to do something, you better make sure he does it. She leaves, and Jesus is sitting there at the wedding, probably at the singles table. And he's sitting there, and he grows disinterested in James and John, who are competing and fighting over the same bridesmaid. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. And he just kind of fades away and loses interest in that. And he begins to think about um, uh, how if it comes out that the wedding planner runs out of wine, that the planner will be embarrassed, the couple will be embarrassed, the, the, uh, the family, whatever it was, the mother or the father, whoever's paying for the wedding will be embarrassed. And Jesus says to himself, okay, here's the thing. If I do a miracle, this whole wedding party becomes about me, right? The guy who saved the day, 
the, the guy who did a miracle and everyone forgets about the bride and groom. Here's what I'll do. He quietly goes over to the servants. He says, fill these up with water and start pouring those water jars, uh, pouring water from those water jars and it will become wine. Don't talk about where it came from or anything like that, all right? So the servants do. They go and they take the wine to the master of the wedding and he drinks it. He says, this is amazing. This is really great stuff. Pomegranate, Bear Creek, right? No, it's my favorite. Yeah, I love this. This is, this is really excellent, right? And here's the thing. Jesus saved the day. He served this family in a unique way. He did this um, and preserved the, uh, the secretiveness of it. He says, I- I'm not going to become the star of the show here, but I am going to step in and uh, serve this family. He was able to make a unique contribution. Um, and so these are one of the, this is one of the things that, that causes us to think about how do I, what is worthy of me stepping out of the routine, the autopilot of me moving through my life? I would say, is there a unique contribution that's only yours to make? Can you think of that? Uh, 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 something that only you can contribute. That's worth stepping aside from the routine for. Think of Missions Conference, which is coming up. Uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Church on the Rock events of the year. I love Missions Conference. I love the opportunity to be generous and uh, to hear what the Lord is doing through people we care about. Um, I, just, I, just, I just love that whole the whole package. But here's the thing. Uh, you do not need missions conference to become aware of uh, areas for you to serve. You are surrounded by people who are sharing their life with you, who make their needs known to you. There are needs that you alone are aware of that you can make a unique contribution to. And that is worthy of an interruption to the routine. Let those opportunities, a unique contribution, be enough to break you out of autopilot. The second story is Jesus' routine and the Feast of of Booths. Um, Jesus is with his brothers, and his brothers are uh, kind of uh, uh, guiding him. They say, Jesus, we're going to Judea. To, uh, to celebrate the feast. Why don't you come with us? And Jesus, knowing that the last time he was in Judea, Judea they tried to kill him, he says, no, 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 I, I'm not going to go. In fact, the statement he makes to them, he says in seven, John 7, 6 through 8, he says, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. You guys, you guys can do whatever you want, whenever you want. My time hasn't come. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And the brothers go on up. And what's interesting to me is that Jesus, who just said, I won't go, he goes anyway. But uh, the, the unique burden that he carries, that's his alone to carry, that unique burden shapes 
how he does that, he goes up in secret and he navigates that because his time to be killed on the cross has not yet come. Jesus came to earth with a unique burden to bear. He alone is the one who could carry that. He says, that unique burden that's mine to bear shapes my routine. And again, I would say, those limitations are for us opportunities. Uh, I've I've said this before, and I've just been so impressed by uh, a number of families in our church family who have allowed their routine to be adjusted in the care of aging parents or children with special needs, right? Issues in their home that they alone uh, had the opportunity to bear and they embraced that and allowed it to break them out of the routine. I'd like to invite the worship team forward. I wrestle as a parent to let my own children break me out of the routine. Uh, To let the burden of being a parent to Seidel and Hava, to let the, uh, this stays between us, but the the burden of being married to Aaron Fisher, Bowersox, which is a, a wonderful burden, but we all, you know what I'm talking about, right? She certainly has a a burden being married to me, right? But to let the the burdens that are uniquely mine shape my routine, to bust me out of uh, the autopilot, uh, what what I'm discovering is that if I will allow that to happen, uh, there's great opportunity in those limitations. There is a time to every purpose under heaven. It's kind of a high energy morning. There are some of you sitting here or standing here this morning right now. Maybe you haven't articulated this, but in your heart you believe it to be true. That you, through your own pattern of behavior, have been excluded from the love of God the grace of God, the compassion of God in your life. And I want to tell you this morning, it's a lie from the pit of hell. His love never runs out. It overflows in abundance beyond what you can imagine. And His grace is for you this morning. Consistent both with Bill's sharing and with Skip's sharing, my prayer would be that you would have the clarity from the Holy Spirit to see the time that you're in and the courage from the Holy Spirit to act consistent with the season that you're in to what God has called you to. A couple of quick reminders. Uh, some of the house churches are launching. Make sure you've, if, you're, if you are confused, make sure you check in, uh, get clarity on what's happening uh, with the group that you're involved in. Uh, senior high and junior high youth ministry. All right, we have visitors. Uh, are happening this evening. Um, Bill Pagran, our good friend. Thank you, Bill, so much for being with us. <laughs> he is going to be uh, over here in the corner as you exit, uh, if you want to check in with him. 
Also, if you want more information, a little more time to talk to him about some of the upcoming opportunities to partner with Carry the Cure, he's going to be at Regent next door to Vita's, correct, uh, at 1 o'clock. And then one last thing. Uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, over on the info table, we have our covenant. You can take a look at that. And also our year in review, which is kind of our annual report of what took place in ministry this past year. You can grab one of those at the info table. Hey, it's been great to be with you. God bless you. May his spirit be with you as you go this week. You are dismissed. Thank you.